and the saints say hallelujah. We found that his joke is easy. And his burden is light. I can say I found it so. And as we learn in the Sunday school lesson, his service is my sweetest delight. Praise the Lord and his blessings forever flow. What a privilege today to serve the Lord. It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord today and having some cold nights. It's good to be here today. Amen. In a warm sanctuary, we give God glory and honor, thanksgiving and praise. He's the one who called me into the ministry and I give him thanks and praise today for all his many blessings in my life. Thank God for your presence today and for Sister Lewis leading us in devotion and to all the ministers and those who are here today and the musicians and Brother Eric and Brother Dave and we thank God for your presence and your service today. Dusters on the floor, we thank God for you. We pray that you've been blessed in the worship experience already. This morning, we're going to call your attention to the book of Isaiah again. As we continue in this theme, the Christian experience. Let's look at Isaiah 40 and verse 1. When you find it, say amen. Isaiah 40 and verse 1, we read, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and our flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This morning, we'll look also in the Gospel of John, John chapter 2. We've completed chapter 1, and let's look at John chapter 2. Amen. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. John's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, we read, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. Mm -hmm. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. This morning, for a brief few moments, we want to share with us the Christian experience, a day for a miracle. The Christian experience, a day for a miracle. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, you indeed are Lord of Lords, and you are indeed the King of Kings. 
Lord, we don't even want to doubt that, Lord. We want to just declare it today that you are indeed the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And we bless your holy name. Now, Father, we ask you to bless us as we've come to share your word today. Open up our hearts, Lord, that we might receive the word that you've given us today. Lord, bless us today. Lead us and guide us, O Lord. Speak to us and use us for your glory and honor. We pray, O Lord, that you will be glorified in heaven, Lord. That we, your people, might be edified here on earth and that Satan will be horrified as we desire to do your will, Lord. Lord, let your anointing reign upon us today. Let your spirit flow within us today in the midst of your people, Lord. Embrace us with your presence today as never before, Lord. We might surely know, Lord, that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Have your way today. We want to thank you for one more time being in the house of worship. We want to thank you for your goodness and your kindness, oh Lord. Thank you for just being our God. Thank you for being our fireside friend, Lord. When, when nobody else was around, Lord, you was there for us, Lord. Now bless us today. Rule and super rule in our hearts. And we'll be careful to say thank you, Lord. But we do thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you right here in the midst of your people. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Subject today, the Christian experience. A day for a miracle. And when we think about this subject and this theme, I know many thoughts come to mind. And I know... Uh, we're getting used to, to my introduction, but I want to begin to really think about what this word means, the Christian experience. I know we've heard many things, and we've seen many things, and we've had many experiences throughout our lives going to church. And I want us to realize that that word Christian has a very significant meaning. Because the root word of Christian is what? Christ. Amen. And it should mean that we should live our lives in a Christ-like fashion. Not just on Sunday between 11 and 1 a.m., but every day we live, we want to have a Christ-like lifestyle. As we learn in our Sunday school lesson, we want to, want to have a good religion. Not just, you know, as, as I remember, the, as they said in the, in the Sunday school lesson, not just to hear the organ play and mm -hmm. sing a song and a hymn and hear a sermon. You know, let our Christian experience be more than that. Amen. Anybody can do that. Yeah. But we want to live lives that portray that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And we know him, what? In the free pardon of our sins. And I don't want us to live our lives just going to church on Sunday and just, you know, throwing a dollar in the offering plate and right. thinking we've done enough. But I want us to really know Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. I don't want us to miss out on all the good things that God has in store for those that love him. I want us to really be Christians and to know him, know his plan for our lives. And as we look at our Old Testament passage of scripture, I want us to know that God has a divine plan for our lives. And, and I know those of you who know the, the, the passage that Martin Luther King Jr. read that, that great day when he read his I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. That's where we get this passage of scripture. And I want us to really think about it today as we read it one more time. It says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her mm -hmm. that her warfare is ended, ended. that her iniquity is pardoned. Yeah. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Uh -huh. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We need to realize that God does have a plan. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. He was just dreaming of God's plan for us. He wants to understand that God, he had a plan to die for your sins. That your sins will not be counted against you forever. If you would only come to God and ask him to forgive you of your sins. He wanted to, to, to cast them as old sister Annie used to say when we were growing up. He wanted to cast them as far as the east is from the west. Into the sea of forgetfulness. See, God don't remember your sins anymore when you come to him in faith. We don't want to remember. We will, we'll remember. Remember how it used to be and what we did before. But God wants to forget your sins and cast them in as far as the east is from the west. He wants you to understand he has a plan for your life. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Let the Lord have his way. In your life, every day, there's no peace and there's no rest until the Lord has his way. Let him make the way for you. He wants to order your steps so you can have a future and a hope. Understand that God wants to move all the obstacles out of the way. He says, every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain brought low. He wants to take care of the things that go on in your life. Casting all your cares upon him. Why, Sister Lewis? Because what? He cares for you. Today we're talking about the Christian experience, uh, a, a day for a miracle. If you feel like you're too low, then let God lift you out of that valley. If things seem to be in the way, let God move the mountain. He says, and the crooked places shall be made, made straight and the rough places smooth. God wants to straighten out your life, saints. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad it's been, God can straighten out the crooked places and make the rough places smooth. Today we're talking about a day of a miracle. God wants you to know today in your Christian experience that he can take care of things. He can do what no other power can do. We're talking about the Christian experience, a day for a miracle. And then it says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And our flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Amen. We want you to know that God wants to show you off. Yeah. Whatever he does for you, he don't want you to keep it secret. He wants everybody to see what kind of God he is. Yes, he, yes, he, he is the mighty God, the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He can work it out for you if you let him. And that's a part of his plan for your life. As David says, he will not leave my soul in hell. Nor will he suffer his holy one to seek you. God wants to take care of your needs, your concerns, whatever's going on in your life. Some of the day, the Christian experience, a day for a miracle. As we go to our New Testament passage of scripture in the Gospel of John. As we've said each time that the Gospel of John was written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That not only was he, was he born here as a human being, but he was God himself in the flesh. Amen. He came so that you and I could have new life. Mm -hmm. 
What do we know about but John's gospel in John 3.16? It says what? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's your Christian experience, saints. When you believe in him, you're a Christian. That's the simple step of faith that it takes to become a believer. As we move on through the passage of this, this book of John, I want us to realize that we need to believe that God can do it. He can do anything. And in this message today, our subject is the Christian experience, a day for a miracle. I want us to believe that miracles can happen. Because yes, one thing we hear around the church today and throughout our lives is that, you know, the time for miracles is over. That Jesus died and that's the last time that we're going to see miracles don't really happen today. But I want to tell us today that we can believe in a miracle. And no matter what day it is, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no matter what day it might be, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, every day is a day that God can come through for you. And I need us as believers, as Christians, to take that with us, to believe that today is a day for a miracle. If I need God today, he's going to answer my prayer. He's going to bring me through. He's going to bring me out. He's going to show me how. We need to believe that today is a day for a miracle. As we look at this passage today, I want to have faith to believe that God can do it. The word miracle is a supernatural event or happening that's regarded as an act of God. A marvelous event or an event that causes people to wonder. And I want us today not to go through life being sarcastic or saying, you know, that, you know, only miracles can happen in the Bible days. But I want us to believe today can be a day for a miracle. Let's look at this passage. There are three things in this passage I want us to think about. They help us to believe that we can see miracles today. The first thing is that any day is a day for a miracle. Let's look at John chapter two. And it says on the third day. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage us today to believe that any day is a day for a miracle. No matter what day it is, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter how large or how small or how big or how long or what the situation might be, I want us today to leave Shadydale knowing that today is a day for a miracle. Any day is a day for a miracle. And we need to trust that the God that we serve, he can do it. He can meet us at the point of our need. And we know the setting of this passage of scripture. And if you were here at the uh, installation service, my brother did such a wonderful job with this passage. And I was struggling saying, Lord, can I skip this one? (laughs) But he wanted me to let you know today that today is a day for a miracle. Let's look at this passage. It says on the third day. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if three days before they were talking about something else. But on the third day, they went to a wedding. And I want you to know that whether it's the third day of the week, whereas the sixth day of the week, that any day is a day for a miracle. If you need God badly enough, I want you to know that he can come through for you. And it says, you know, you know what usually happens at weddings? 
People get invited. Mary was invited. Jesus and his disciples were invited. And I'm sure you've been invited. Now, we've all been invited to a wedding. And I'm sure you go to a wedding with certain expectations, you know, thinking that this is going to happen and that is going to happen. And I want you to believe today that no matter what day it is, miracles can take place. And it says that at the wedding, in verse 3, they ran out of wine. You don't know where you're going to be, but you're going to need Jesus. You don't know where you're going to be when you're going to have a problem. You need to know that you can call on Jesus. And we see that they ran out of wine at this wedding. And the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And I would say today that sometimes you and I feel like, you know, it's not the time for a miracle. It's time for me to, you know, go somewhere and sneak out or, you know, I'm embarrassed to be here. So I'm going to leave or whatever the case might be. Sometimes we walk out before the miracle takes place because we don't believe that, that God can do something about it. Why would you why would you walk? Imagine the people who left early that day. Because they didn't believe that any day is a day for a miracle. Imagine the people who, who left your life, who didn't believe that God could change your life around, who wanted to disassociate themselves from you. But yet God is still on the throne. I want you to know today that any day is a day for a miracle. I want you to have that confidence that every day you wake up in the morning, this is a day that God can help me. Have that confidence to believe that any day is a day for a miracle. And we find Jesus was thinking, you know, let me, you know, don't bother me about this. This is not my concern. But Mary made it his concern. And if we don't ask Jesus to help us, how can he help us? So we understand today that any day is a day for a miracle. Let's look at uh, Psalm number 118, and many of us know it by heart. We sing a song that says these words, but I want to go ahead and read it in your presence today. Amen. Psalm 118, beginning at verse 24, says that this is the day yeah. that the Lord has made. Uh-huh. We will rejoice, what? And be glad in it. Look at verse 25, it says, save now, I pray, O Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Have you ever needed God right now? Have you ever needed God to come through right away? We need to know that we can call on God in our time of despair, in our time of need, in our time of trouble. I love the way it says that. Save now, I pray, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind a sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. See, we need to understand today that just as God did it way back then, he can do it again. 
We need to trust that any day is a day for a miracle. The God that we serve is a mighty God. Didn't we sing that this morning? Once again, we come to the house of God to unite in songs of praise, to install with joy our Redeemer's name. And to tell his works, God has done marvelous things. And we need to know that any day is a day for a miracle. Our God is able. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Our God is able, and no matter where you might be or how bad it may seem, you can call on God and ask him for a miracle. Supper today, the Christian experience, a day for a miracle. The second thing I want to see in this passage today is that obedience leads to a miracle. Obedience leads to a miracle. Let's look again in John chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. And it says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Mm-hmm. Now there were set six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. See, we understand in in our lives and our daily experiences that obedience can lead to a miracle. Many times we've called on God and called on God and asked God to do something, but we won't do anything. We want God to do it all. And we know he told us to do certain things, but we're waiting on him to do it. And many times that's why we're stuck in the the situation that we're in, because we won't do what God told us to do. You know, if God, if you're out of money and God says, well, you know, go get a job. You want to sit at home and wait for somebody to call you. Well, I need us to trust and believe that whatever God told us to do, let's start doing that. Because that might be the very key to our miracle. We need to understand that obedience leads to a miracle. And look what happened in this passage of scripture. I love the way this passage is written. It says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So look what Jesus said to them. Fill the water pots with water. And what? And they filled them to the brim. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes when Jesus tells us to fill the pots with water, we'd be like, well, I don't know where to go get the water. Well, I don't have a bucket. You know, what side of town do I got to go on to find it? I'm not old enough to drive across town. I don't have a license or whatever reason we can come up with to keep from doing what Jesus asked us to do. And I want to begin to, to, to renew in our mind obedience. I need to renew in my own mind obedience. What does it look like to receive a miracle? Sometimes you just got to simply do what Jesus says. You know the story of the leper in the Old Testament? The Lord told him to go and wash in, in the Jordan. He said, but what about all these other rivers? 
We got nicer rivers over here. And the, and the, and the young servant said, you know, Master, if he told you to do something real hard, you, 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 you just do what he told you to do. And I think so many times that's why you and I are stuck in the places we've been stuck in. Why we go through the trials that we go through because we don't simply want to obey. We got another ideal in our own mind as to how we want to go through. But all I want us to do is to think about, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. And look what they did. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And what it, they filled them. To the, they didn't just fill them. They filled it to the rim. It's like that old coffee commercial. Fill your cup to the rim with the richness of bread. Fill it all the way up. Don't just put a half a cup. I want it full. That's what Jesus wants. He wants our full obedience. Don't be trying to shortchange the obedience. And they say, don't be half-stepping. Come on all the way out here and, and obey and do what God wants us to do. And then verse 8 says, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And what it said, and they took it. See, when we, sometimes we get too embarrassed. We don't want other people to see what we're going through. We're too, we're too prideful. We got too much, you know, we, we, our status is so important. that We don't, wanna, we don't, wanna, we don't want people to see what we're going through. We get ashamed and, you know, you know, embarrassed and we want to go somewhere else. We want to do it a different way. You know, can, you, can, you, can, you, can we hire somebody to go take it? But sometimes God says, take it to the master of the feast. Do we, do we really want to have a miracle? Well, let's obe- let obedience lead us into our miracle. It says, and they took it. And then verse 9 says, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. See, so many times the other thing that we deal with in obedience is that, you know, we don't know how it's going to work. So we still don't want to obey. We see here, the master of the feast, he didn't know how it worked, but he still enjoyed the good wine. And I want to say to us, let's not always understand, try to understand why or how Jesus does it. Sometimes that may keep us from the miracle. Because we want to understand, you know, what's the formula it's going to take to turn water into wine? Can you get up on the chalkboard and diagram that for us before I can take it to the master of the feast? Sometimes that's what, that's what you and I are waiting for. We're waiting for God to put it all up on the chalkboard and give a nice long dissertation about what it's going to take to get it to happen. But all we need to do is obey. And I want to understand that today. As never, If you never get anything from Pastor Miller... Let's learn to obey. That's not a miracle. Obedience is the best thing that you and I can do to receive what God has in store for us. And I'm telling you today, I want to practice this more in my own life. Just whatever Jesus say, let's start doing it. Because I believe there's some miracles ahead of Shadydale. If we only say, Lord, what did you say? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. 
That's why I want us to begin to, to, as the scripture says in Romans 12, renewing our minds. What is that? What? That good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we begin to do that, I believe the chains are going to fall off. All the enemies are going to get out of the way. The Red Sea is going to part. Hallelujah. And we're going to see God do something he had never done for us before. We're talking about obedience leads to a miracle. Let's look at 1 Samuel 15 and 22, just for a reference. And many of us know this passage by heart as well. It's a story when Saul had sinned against God. And Samuel came up and he heard the bleeding of sheep. He was wondering, where did this sound come from? And Saul was like, well, you know, I, I did what I wanted to do. So Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. See, we don't want the Lord to reject us. We don't want the Lord to kick back our miracle. We don't want him to sign it off and send it to another place. We want to receive every miracle that God has for us. And it comes to us by being obedient. By saying, yes, Lord. I'll follow you. I'll do what you say. The Christian experience, a day for a miracle. The third thing and the last thing I want us to see is that miracles glorify God. Miracles glorify God. Let's look at verse 11. It says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, and his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. See, I want to understand that when we believe in Jesus, God is glorified. When we do his will, God is glorified. It takes us believing and trusting that he is who he said he is. If we don't believe that he is who he said he is, then we're going to miss so many things in life. We're going to miss the, the steps of the good man that are ordered by the Lord. We're going to miss those steps. We're going to miss those places that God wants to take us. We're going to miss all of that because we don't believe that he is the Christ, the son of God. And and, and this miracle that Jesus did here, I'm sure he could have done something else. He could have skipped that time or he could have waited till later. But he did it that day, day. at that wedding, at that time. And the Bible says that after this, his disciples believed in him. And so many times we think that God has to show us a sign or whatever. But we need to believe in God for who he is. Because he is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. We need to believe that he has, has changed our lives. He can do marvelous things. So this was only, as it says, this is the beginning of signs that Jesus did. Do you know that Jesus wants to do more things in your life? This is only the, the first thing that he did. So there were many things that he had in store for them down the road. But I don't want us to miss the glory of God in our lives by taking the wrong road. Let's take the right road 
and see all the blessings and all the glorious things that God has in store for us. And sometimes we think as we come to a close, we don't really, really recognize that just because we have been born again is a miracle. To have been set free from the power of sin, that's a miracle. That God has wrought in your life and mine. That God has made possible in your life and mine. When we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that right there is a miracle. The songwriter says uh, that, that, that it took a miracle to hang the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, he cleansed and made me whole. It took a miracle of love and of grace. And that's the number one miracle that you and I need to receive. The miracle of salvation. To believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That he saved me and he bought me and sought me and he turned my life around. That's the true miracle that God did. He did it in your life and mine. Let's close in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. That's you and me. Because yeah. we, we, who are we? We are Christians, right? Right. We want, to be, we want to be gathered together in, all, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. In other words, we've got to obey God. Whatever he has taught us, whatever he has told us, whatever his word has said, let's obey that. Because that's the counsel of his own will. And verse 12 said that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. See, when you and I live for Christ, we bring praise and honor and glory to God. Just by being Christian, just by letting our light so shine before men that they might see our good works. And do what? Glorify the Father which is in heaven. It says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you, having been sealed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. See, when you and I live for Christ, we bring glory unto God. When you and I live for him, that brings glory to God. That's a, that's a miracle. In the days and times when we live, it's hard to find true-born Christians. People who want to live for God no matter what, no matter where, no matter how. But you and I, when we live for Christ, it's a miracle of God's love and his grace. See, if you want to see a miracle, just look around. You can look up, you can look down, but before you stop looking, just look at me. Look at me and see that God has wrought a miracle. As Brother Nate said, look in the mirror, look at yourself and see that God has wrought a miracle. When he saved you from sin, he brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That right there is a miracle. If you want to see a miracle, just look around and see that today is a day for a miracle. I pray that you've been blessed by the message today to understand that we need to believe in God. The Christian experience, a day for a miracle. Let us stand.